happy Easter, Harbor City Church, Grace Harbor, and anyone else who may be watching this uh, presentation. We're so glad to be with you this morning. Uh, In a moment, we'll be reading a story from Luke chapter 10, but first, let's pray and ask God's blessing on this service. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and say thank you for your amazing resurrection that changed not only our lives, but all of history. We ask, Lord, that no matter where anyone's at today, no matter what road they're on, we ask that your resurrection would make a difference in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, to me, Easter is the most amazing event that ever happened on planet Earth. I mean, when you think about it, God sends his only son to Earth to live among us. He experiences every temptation to sin that we've experienced, and yet he didn't sin. So Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for you and me to pay for our sins, to pay for our mistakes, to pay for our failures. Now, To me, that's amazing in itself. But not only did he do that, die on a cross for us, but he was in the grave for three days and three nights. And then he rose from the dead to empower us to live uh, for the purpose he created us for, to live for the destiny he made us for. And then when this life is over, live in eternity with him forever and ever. That's why Easter is so amazing. What an awesome God we serve. Now, this morning, I want to tell you a simple story. It's about an expert in the law who was struggling with who Jesus was. He he, he wanted to test Jesus and maybe trap him. So he comes to Jesus to ask him one big question that he hoped would settle this uneasiness in his heart and maybe settle the issue that Jesus really wasn't who he said he was. Maybe this Jesus really isn't the Son of God. So he asked Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus says, basically, these are in my words, well, you're the expert in the law. What's, how do you interpret it? How do you see it? So this attorney was excited to show Jesus his knowledge that he knew about the law and God's words. So he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor. And so Jesus tells him, you've answered rightly, just put it into practice, and you'll live. But this attorney wants to justify himself. I like the way the message translation says it. The message translation says he's looking for a loophole. So he says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells him a story, and this is the story in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Jesus answered by uh, telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, went off, uh, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. But a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him his uh, first aid, disinfecting and bandages his wounds. Then he lifted him uh, onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him, and if it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. So as you look at this story, I found that many of us are like the expert in the law. We want to find a way to love God without doing what he says. 
So he looks for a loophole. He's looking for a way out. And here's why. Here's the definition of a neighbor. A neighbor means this. It means to see a need and meet it, whether in close proximity of another or from far away. So when you have your sins forgiven and your life is changed, the resurrection of Jesus should empower us through the Holy Spirit to love people like Jesus loves us. To love people like Jesus takes time. It takes action. It takes sacrifice. No wonder the lawyer was looking for a loophole. Now, in this story, there are several characters with different perspectives and uh, how, to, how to live your life and how to love your neighbor. So let me give them to you. The first character is this. It's the robber. And his perspective is this. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. Now, the, this character represents our enemy, the devil, and all his demons. He hates anything that belongs to God. And Jesus tells us in John 10.10 10, that the thief, in John 10.10a, 10, actually, the thief comes to kill, to steal or rob, and destroy our lives. Now, whether you know it or not, he wants to rob and steal your purpose and your destiny from your life. The second character is the victim. And his perspective is this. Does anyone care? He's been robbed of his possessions. He has nothing left. He's robbed of his future. He's been robbed of his self-esteem. He's saying to himself, I'm not worth anything now. And maybe today you feel that same way. Uh, You say, I've got nothing left. The thief took it all. I've lost my family. I've been betrayed. I don't have many possessions. I've been abandoned. I lost my job. I don't have enough to pay my bills, uh, my house payment, my electrical bill, or even my utilities. I don't have any food. I don't have a donkey or a car or gas to drive it. I'm sick and I'm in need of healing. I'm in a ditch and I can't get out. So this guy is lying there and he's thinking life is over. No one cares and no one is going to stop and help me in my, out of my situation. The devil has worked me over and I have no future and I have no hope. The next characters are characters three and four, the priest and the Levite. They are churchgoers. They should be changed by who Jesus is in their lives and motivated to take the same actions that Jesus would. But here's their perspective. Their perspective is this. I love God, but it's my life and I can do with it as I please. See, they're a lot like many of us who call ourselves Christians. We say we love God until he asks us to do something we don't like. And when he does that, we look for a loophole to get out of it. And then we rationalize that uh, we did what God asked us to do. There's an old adage that says this, to live above with the saints we love, that is the purest glory. To live below with the saints we know, now that's a different story. This is what's called a selfish Christian perspective. And you and I need to understand the words selfish and significant. We need to understand they don't go together. Let me give you a couple definitions. I'll start out with this word, the word selfishness. This is what it means. It means what I do for myself. I've had people tell me that they're not selfish, and I wonder what else they are not aware of when it comes to their life. 
Truth is, we're all selfish. It is our nature. That's why Jesus came to rescue us from our selfish selves. See, if you don't think you're selfish, the next time you're in a group photo, and when they hand the photo to you, who's the first person you look for? Do you know how you and I judge a group picture? Not by the group, but how good you and I look. There's nothing group about it. And if you look good, you say, great picture, send it to me. And if you don't look good, you say, okay. And you gather everybody around you again and say, let's take another one. And everything is judged around you. Let me give you another definition. It's the word significance. And this is what it means. It means what I do for others. Selfishness and significance are incompatible. You cannot be one and the other at the same time. Now, let me give you character number five. The character number five is good, the Good Samaritan. His perspective is, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it to you. In other words, my life belongs to God, and all I have belongs to him, and I'll be a good neighbor to whomever he brings into my life. If I see a need, I'll do my best to meet it. Now, let me give you some similarities in this story because there are many similarities between the Good Samaritan, the priest, and the Levite. So here they are. Number one, they all saw the problem. See, Jesus wanted to make sure they all saw the guy who had been robbed. It wasn't like they missed the guy in the ditch. They couldn't help but see the need. Secondly, they all had an opportunity to help. They all could have stopped and ministered to this guy. And then thirdly, they all could have had a reason not to help. Do you know the main reason the priest and the Levite didn't stop is because of an excuse that we all use from time to time. And this is it. If I stop, it will inconvenience me. Look at this guy. He's a bloody mess. If I stop, this guy's going to take my time. He's going to take my treasure. He's definitely going to use some of my resources. More often than not, there's nothing convenient about ministering to a neighbor who's in need. If we want to be like Jesus, who is the good Samaritan really in this story, we need to ask ourselves three questions. Here's the first one. If I don't stop, what will happen to him? Well, let me tell you what will happen to him. Remember, he's half dead already, and if I don't stop, he will die. Now, let me just say this. If you claim to love Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, uh, but don't have a generous heart towards people, you will tend to be living a life closed up and holding on to your things, and you need to know this. There's a whole lot of people that could use your help, but you don't help them, and because of that, they won't get help, the help they need. So if I don't stop, what will happen to them? They'll die. But there's another question we need to ask, and that's this. If I don't stop, what will happen to me? In other words, what will happen to me if I ignore this person? What happens if I cross over to the other side and keep on going? What happens if we cross over to the other side and ignore this person who's crying out for help, and then we become, what happens is we become indifferent towards people's needs. Our heart begins to be calloused and hardened. And then there comes a day when we no longer care and no longer want to share. 
But then there's a third question, and I love this question. It's a question we all need to ask on Easter today. If I do stop, what will happen to me? And I love this question because here's what happens to you and I when we stop. We'll make a difference for someone else like Jesus did for us. See, the resurrection of Jesus allows you and I to live out your purpose in this life. And one of those purposes is to become his hands and feet and to become, uh, show his love to other people in tangible ways like Jesus did for us. So here's a key for our lives and you should write this down. You have to stop and meet the need to make a difference. So let's talk or let's ask or let me ask you this one last question. Is the resurrection of Jesus in your life empowering you to be a neighbor and to meet the needs of people that God brings into your life? See, to love God with all your heart is to love broken people. And there is a modern day example of a man who did just that. His name was Fred Rogers. Fred had loving parents who raised him up in church. And at an early age, he learned you should love people no matter what. But he was bullied because he was overweight and he had asthma. But one day, he loved on a football player in high school that got sick. Fred went and visited him in the hospital when no one else did. He even took him his homework, helped him do his homework, and they became great friends. When the football player got out of uh, the hospital and went back to school, he began to tell everybody what a good friend Fred had become and how cool he was. And everything began to change in Fred's life from that day on. So Fred, from that um, just experience, decided, I'm going to live my life as a neighbor to every person that God brings into my life. This morning, I want you to meet Fred Rogers. Neighbors are those who are close to us. Friends are those who are close to our hearts. I like to think of you as my neighbor and my friend. Hello everybody, I'm Fred Rogers, also known as Mr. Rogers. Thank you for joining me for this very special episode. Something you may not know about me is that for the entirety of my career, I was a licensed minister. My passion was ministering to the children of the world. I got to teach them life lessons that taught about who Jesus is in an unconventional and relatable way. But today, I want to talk to you all. I just love Easter because we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and how he came to this earth to die for our sins. We now have the opportunity to spend eternity with him in heaven someday. As many of you may already know, the first commandment is to love God. But the very next commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. I'd love to share with you today about how I love my neighbors. These are some of my friends that you may or may not know. This is Jessica. This is my friend, Jimmy. This is Tracy and Jennifer. I pray for them and many others that I've met every single day. In fact, I have an entire notepad of the names of people I pray for. But today, 
I want to tell you about my friend, Lynn. She's had a tough life full of disappointment, but thankfully she had a friend who loved her so much that she helped her find Christ. Let's listen to her story together. Hi, I'm Lynn, and I want to tell you my story. I lived a lot of life before I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Uh, growing up, my parents weren't believers, and they wanted me to decide for myself if God existed, and I didn't really know what to believe. I think I would describe myself as a curious skeptic about God growing up. I had friends in high school that went to church, so sometimes I would go with them. And when I was in college, I would go on my own sometimes. I, I dabbled in church, uh, but I didn't really understand what being a Christian was, and I didn't hear from God when I was there. I, I relied a lot um, on my mind to understand things in life. It kind of seemed like there should be more to life than what I could see but it didn't make logical sense in my mind. And, and because my intellect was my strength, I relied a lot on what I could reason out. So life was pretty exhausting as an unbeliever. I bought a lot of the lies that the world sells us about what makes somebody successful. I worked really hard. I believed I could, if I just worked really hard, I could accomplish just about anything. I kind of thought of myself as superhuman and would refer to myself, my alter ego, as Wonder Woman. And, um, and I set goals and I achieved my goals. Every a goal that I wanted to accomplish, I was able to accomplish. I went to college and got a master's degree in counseling. I started my career. I got married kids and bought a house and I did it all in that order because I was pretty sure that was the right way to do it and so I did it the right way and I did it society's way and uh, according to society standards I I'm successful but after all of that work and achieving and accomplishing I, I wasn't happy and I wasn't at peace I've struggled with anxiety and depression my entire life age 46, the life that I had built was falling apart. I was on medication for panic attacks. I was getting divorced and after my first husband and I separated, I lost my job. So I was in a pretty desperate low place at that time. And that's where my story gets good. I had some close friends who were believers and knew I needed Jesus, so they prayed faithfully for me. One of those friends, our neighbor Kaina, invited me to church and so I accepted and started coming to church here at Arbor City. And what started happening was pretty amazing and unreal. I looked forward to coming to church. I, something was being stirred inside of me. I was hearing something that I hadn't heard before. Um, I was more connected to the world and I felt more alive it was like my eyes had been opened and I was seeing something that I didn't know of before. I remember one day uh, driving to Olympia, I was doing a lot of job searching, trying to get a job, and driving to Olympia and Christian radio on and was singing along with the worship music and I had this feeling that there was someone in the car with me. There was just this like heavy 
tangible presence. So much so that I looked over in the passenger seat to see if someone was there and there wasn't, but I just, I just knew that I'd had an encounter with God and it was that that kind of set me on fire more than ever. It was probably in September of 2015 that I had this one Sunday I was at church and I had this uncontrollable urge to get up and answer an altar call and went up and asked one of the prayer team to pray for me and I gave my life to Christ. Uh, the next week I got baptized and then I started attending equip classes and in November that year I got recognized in front of the congregation as a dedicated member of the church here. Like I said, I was pretty on fire for God, but anyone who's been a believer a while knows that the more on fire you are for Christ, the more that Satan will work to try and separate you from him. And that's what happened to me. I started having panic attacks again, worse than I'd ever had before, and I was pretty scared. I was worried that I wasn't gonna be able to take care of myself and my kids, but the second time that I started having panic attacks, it was different because even though it was really bad, God was there with me. I didn't have to do this in my own strength anymore. I realized part of what was contributing to the problem was being on my own as a mom, doing a lot of that by myself without someone in the home to support me. And that was more difficult than anything I'd ever done. And so I kind of realized somewhere in there that I wanted a husband. I I'd started, because my first marriage failed, I would started believing that I really wasn't um, meant to be a wife. I wasn't really good at that. And so I didn't think I was marriage material. Um, but I, I knew that I didn't want to spend life alone like this. And so um, I called upon my friend and neighbor Kaina again and asked her to help me pray and we started praying for a husband. So some of the things I prayed for in a husband was that I would meet a godly man. Uh, my first husband wasn't a believer and this time I was a new creation and I wanted to do it God's way so I was praying for a godly man who uh, prioritized family and Kaina and I were praying, and probably six months after we started praying, she felt in her spirit prompted to introduce me to um, someone that went to church here, and that person is now my husband, and anyone who knows Gary knows that he's a godly man. He uh, went to Bible college and is a pastor, and he's evidence that God answers prayer because he is just what I prayed for pretty miraculous and um, confirming it sort of builds your faith when you can see just so um, concretely how God answers your prayer if you draw close to God he will draw close to you my life verse is Psalms 34 18 uh, God is close to the brokenhearted and rescues those whose spirits are crushed um, and it was in that place that I was really ready to hear from and respond to God. It's pretty amazing that he chased me and pursued me for 47 years and adopted me when I was ready. He never gave up on me and um, I'm really grateful to be part of his family and I don't wanna go back to life without him because it's so much better with him in my life.
as you can see, God can do amazing things in other people's lives when we choose to love our neighbor. One simple invitation to church changed Lynn's life forever. I also want you to meet my friend Molly. Her story isn't about finding salvation, but rather finding her community. Let's watch together. Hi, my name is Molly, and um, I've been asked to share a little bit about my faith and um, this community. Um, a little bit about me. Um, I'm one of those kids that grew up with a faith in God. You know, I'd say my faith in the Lord has been uh, really the compass for my life, and even with ups and downs along the way, uh, it's definitely been this guiding force between. Um, you know, little kid, high school, you know, 20s, and now as an adult with a family and four kids, certainly it, it's um, the guide for my life. But um, I was raised in the faith and I was raised to believe that, you know, we're put here for a reason and God uses our lives and our circumstances for good. And uh, so it's fun to share that with you today. Early on in my life, um, I think God put a real concern and care and faith in my heart for this community. I don't know if it's, you know, growing up through the Spotted Owl era, um, but seeing a lot of poverty and hopelessness and joblessness and depression, um, and also hearing from, you know, the, the next generation about the way things used to be and how, um, how great it was. I just felt like always I wanted to see great things here and a bright future for our community now and not just what it used to be. And so, and I, as a high schooler, I remember um, finding this scripture in Isaiah and it just hit home for me. I'll share it with you today, um, but it's Isaiah 42 and it talks about the coastlands and I think, hey, that's us. Uh, but it says, let the coastlands glorify the Lord. Let them sing his praise. He will bring forth justice to all who have been wronged. The Lord will march forth like a mighty man and will crush his enemies. He will make the darkness bright before them and smooth the road ahead. And I remember reading that as a young girl and being like, hey, that is us. Like God loves this community. He loves us and he has great things for us. And he sees us, you know, and he wants um, to bring that hope and joy. And it just stuck in my heart. Um, so fast forward many years and um, I still feel the same way. I love Grace Harbor, I love the community, and it's just, a, it's in my bones. It's just a part of who I am. And um, about three years ago, some friends invited us to Harbor City Church. They, um, I don't remember why, uh, but they really wanted us to come. And um, it wasn't really our style, and we weren't expecting to, you know, to stick around for a long time, but uh, we came that day, um, and the word was so perfect and so totally applicable to what was going on in our lives that it was incredible. Um, so much so that we had to come back and hear the second part of this series that Pastor Doug was speaking on. I think it was called Smash the Chatterbox, but it was so good. And it just hit the nail on the head. And so we came back to hear it again, regardless of our preferences, we needed to hear it. And, um, and then we came back again, and then we came back again and again. And so now we're still here three years later and um, still very much love the word that comes out of this church. 
And uh, the cool thing that we've found and I've found since being here is that same love for the community that I have um, is here. And there's such a love for Grace Harbor uh, within this church and within the people here. And uh, there's such a desire to see good things happen and you know faith restored and hope and all those things and it's not for the sake of growing a church in numbers and getting people here it's for you know really bringing life and joy and hope to people's lives and I love that and uh, and you see it here all the time through you know the way they serve the community the way they love the people around them whether it's the local community right here you know in the surrounding blocks or the greater uh, Grace Harbor area you see it all the time just practically and I love that and um, having small children and just going through the challenges of life uh, we've found our own community of people uh, to love and support us which is uh, awesome and so you know, we'll see where the road ahead is or where the, the road ahead of us leads, but um, we're grateful for the life and the faith that we're. As you can see, there are many ways that God can use us, our circumstances, our troubles, and our friends to help us become who we are called to be. If you give your life to God, you'll be amazed at what he will do through you. Someone was a neighbor to Lynn, and someone was a neighbor to Molly. Would you let me be a neighbor to you today? Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Would you let him in? If you would like to invite Jesus into your life today, please pray this prayer along with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place and that he rose from the grave and saved me from all my sins. I invite you now to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for always knocking and seeking after me. And Lord, help me be a neighbor to those around me. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you that said that prayer, either for the first time today or as a rededication, I am so happy for you. I know that heaven is rejoicing with us today. Now that you have Jesus, your life will never be the same. I want to thank you all for joining me for this episode. You always make each day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. There's only one person in the world like you. That's you, yourself. I'll be back next time. Until then... Today, you've heard some amazing stories about lives that have been changed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how we empowered others to become a neighbor. In these last few moments, we want to worship together and celebrate our risen Savior, how he empowers every believer to become a neighbor. In John 15, 5, he says this, Apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, with our resurrected Savior, nothing is impossible. That's worth worshiping about. Maybe today you're one of those ones that are by the side of the road and you're wondering, does anyone care about me? 
Does anyone see my situation? I want you to know, even though virtually, uh, or virtually we're together, but we're not together in a physical place, the great news is this. Jesus Christ has come from a building to your home. He's come to wherever you're at. He's alive and well today. He can heal your marriage. He can heal your mess. He can heal your situation. All you have to do is call on the name of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, and he can do miracles in your lives. That's what I hope for you today. And by the way, there are many ways to be a neighbor. You can look on our website. We have several different ways to help you begin that. But be creative. Show God that you want to be that neighbor uh, that he's called you to be. Let me pray for every one of you. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would touch and move among people's hearts and lives. You'll come into every home. You will heal those marriages. You will heal finances. You'll give hope where, where there's no jobs. You'll show people that you are greater in every circumstance and that what the devil meant for evil, you're going to make for good. I pray now you'll bless each one as they call on the name of the Lord. And we pray, Lord, this will be the greatest Easter in the history of the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter.